The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Good morning, friends. Though I live relatively nearby in San Mateo, just down the peninsula, I have been spending a great deal of time at the home where I was raised with my mother and my stepfather as they negotiate the changes that come with age. Their house is where I was raised, in the Ingemar neighborhood of the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the Shawnee and the Osage people originally lived. I am a part of that land, and I understand it, and it understands me. I grew up on Pine Road, where indeed there were, and are, tall pine trees that stand sentry, homes to hawks, crows, jays, and the occasional owl. To catch the bus for school, I walked up the street to Sunset Road, where indeed at close of day I could watch brilliant sunsets during the gloaming, looking down on the undulating green hills that provide the topography of my own being. Cardinals, robins, blue jays, hawks, deer, squirrels, chipmunks, orange jewelweed with exploding pods, sticky red yewberries, apple trees, fireflies, pine, sunset, my natural companions. I am a product of this place, I describe. It shaped and formed me and gave me a sense of who I am in relationship to the land and the creatures, the air and waters around me. And I am just as much a product of the Unitarian Universalist congregation nearby that home in which I was raised. We are each a product of the places we have come from. And we are also intimately connected to the place in which we currently dwell. We are nourished by the air, water, food, and beings that surround us. The world feeds us warped messages about what really matters and about our worth. Through constant advertising, they estimate 10,000 ads reach us each day. Through constant advertising, we are told directly and subliminally that we don't have enough. We can't ever get enough. We can't ever keep enough. What if the truth were literally the opposite of these messages? In a book you may have heard about or read, Braiding Sweetgrass, from which I just quoted, the scientist, author, mother, professor, and member of the citizen Potawatomi Nation, Robin Wall Kimmerer, writes, in a consumer society, contentment is a radical proposition. 
Recognizing abundance rather than scarcity undermines an economy that thrives by creating unmet desires. Gratitude cultivates an ethic of fullness, but the economy needs emptiness. Gratitude doesn't send you out shopping to find satisfaction. It comes as a gift rather than a commodity, subverting the foundation of the whole economy. Gratitude leads to contentment. Therefore, practice gratitude. Kimmerer writes, gratitude may seem like weak tea given the desperate challenges that lie before us, but it is powerful medicine, much more than a simple thank you. Giving thanks implies recognition not only of the gift, but of the giver. When I eat an apple, my gratitude is directed to that wide-armed tree whose tart offspring are now in my mouth, whose life has become my own. Gratitude is founded on the deep knowing that our very existence relies on the gifts of other beings. Our own health, the health of the planet, and the health of our congregations and communities depend on our ability to understand that our very existence relies on the gifts of other beings. Humans, of course, are only one thread in the garment of destiny, the brilliant tapestry of life, the ecosystem. For much of humans' time on the planet before the great delusion, we lived in cultures that understood the covenant of reciprocity, that for the earth to stay in balance, for the gifts to continue to flow, we must give back in equal measure for what we are given. For the earth to stay in balance, for the gifts to continue to flow, we must give back in equal measure for what we are given. We are entering into the season of stewardship here at the UUC Society of San Francisco, and so it befalls me now at this time to invite you to pay. Attention. <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention from week to week how this community actually shapes the living of your life. How the religious education offerings deepen your spirits and encourage your children to be more fully themselves. Pay attention to how the gorgeous music allows you to become part of something larger than yourself. Pay attention to how you feel when you sing with the choir or immerse yourself in organ music. Pay attention to how the messages offered by Reverend Vanessa stay with you through your days, how you are introduced to thinkers, writers, artists, activists, and regular people who inspire you to live more fully your highest values. Pay attention to how your friendships have developed and deepened over time here. 
how the community has held and cared for those going through the hardest of times. Pay attention to the resilience that was demonstrated by your church leaders through this pandemic and to the ways in which the larger association supported all of our congregations. Pay attention to the fact that all of the staff members of the society were kept on payroll through COVID, an employment decision solidly based on UU principles. Pay attention to how this congregation blesses and is blessed by participation in the winter shelter program, feeding and sheltering 70 guests for more than 30 years. Pay attention to the ways in which racial justice work is happening and how your own understanding of dismantling oppression has grown and evolved. Pay attention to all that this community offers beyond what it does just for you. Pay attention to how acting for justice is done in the name of this congregation. Pay attention to how this congregation is making love visible. Pay attention because it is important for the city of San Francisco to have a strong, healthy, vibrant, Unitarian Universalist presence. Robin Wall Kimmerer again writes, it's so appropriate that we call it paying attention, for it is perhaps a near universal form of currency. It is exchangeable, it is valuable, and it incur incurs an expense on the part of the payer, for attention we all know too well is a limited resource. But once we do, once we pay attention, we can see and feel and know the real bounty that surrounds us. We can feel the enrichment of our lives thanks to the gifts that constantly rain down on us without slowing or stopping. These are not material gifts, but the gifts of each moment, each breath, a sip of water when thirsty, a warm sunbeam when cold, the smile of another's eyes above a mask, the visitation of the crow on the fence post, the hummingbird drinking from the fuchsia, the branches of the tree providing shade in the heat, the moss softening the path, the brown grass on the hills slowly greening the arrival of the poppies as the skies warm, the return of the berries to the farmer's market, the salmon coming home to spawn, the corn tortilla filled with warm beans and cheese, the music of the waves along the coast, the fog kissing the hills, the scent of the eucalyptus, jasmine, roses as we walk or roll along. Once we know the truth of our interconnectedness, we are moved to respond because we have been paying attention. When this community asks for annual pledges of commitment, it is then a sacred opportunity, for it allows us to enrich others as we have been enriched. But it's more than just about what we have received. 
It's also an opportunity to move in a direction other than the consumer mindset that would have us believe that it is what we buy or collect or hoard for the future that defines us. This is an opportunity to practice what it is to be in a gift economy. It is to receive the blessing that has been offered and then move that energy forward to transform it like plants turn sunlight into energy. Kimmerer states, gifts from the earth or from each other establish a particular relationship, an obligation of sorts to give, to receive, to reciprocate. And writer Lewis Hyde notes, it is the cardinal difference between gift and commodity exchange that a gift establishes a feeling bond between two people. As we sang earlier and have often sung in our congregations, from you I receive, to you I give. Together we share and from this we live, which may be the most deeply theological piece in our hymnal. The fundamental nature of gifts is that they move and their value increases with their passage. The more something is shared, the greater its value becomes. In the gift economy, gifts are not free. The essence of the gift is that it creates a set of relationships. The currency of a gift economy is at root reciprocity. In Western thinking, private land is understood to be a bundle of rights. Whereas in a gift economy, property has a bundle of responsibilities attached. Your stewardship leaders wrote, these last years have been a complicated time for us. It's like we've been wandering through a forest and we found some bright spots and clearings along the way, but aren't out of the woods yet. As a community, we need to help each other through. So affiliation with this congregation comes with a bundle of responsibilities, and these are sacred responsibilities because they allow us to demonstrate our interconnectedness, to practice paying attention, and to keep the energy of generosity flowing. As the warm air kisses your face as the tree creates shade as the bounty of the local farm provides your body fuel, as the music you hear opens your heart to both joy and grief, as you encounter animals who greet and cheer you, perhaps the world is enchanted, filled with a magical energy that animates all that lives. As your life has been expanded through this congregation, as you have become more yourself, as you have been brought into touch more closely with all that is sacred, you have received gifts. This congregation and these beings within it and those who have come before have given generously. Now you have the opportunity to keep moving, that gift. When all the world is a gift in motion, how wealthy 
we become. May it be so. And amen. This year, we sustained some losses to the community. I'm sure I'm not the only one, especially now that we're back in this space, who notices who isn't here as we come back together. Places that people used to sit, faces that used to greet us as we came in. One of those we lost was Shirley Gibson. And in preparing for the service that celebrated her life, her father, the Reverend Gordon Gibson, told the story of coming to visit Shirley when she had just moved to San Francisco after graduating from Reed College and how she had just started coming to this church and he was very excited that she was going to UU Church again and how she told him when he came with her to church that she, who was only, what, 22, 23 at the time, had only been in the church for a few months or so it seemed that she'd been made chair of the annual giving campaign. <laughs> and her dad said, I think maybe to himself and not out loud, what the hell do you know about fundraising? <laughs> but she did a great job. Uh, she always did, becoming, I think, one of the youngest board chairs ever. I think Linda Anger beat Shirley, becoming the, actually the youngest board chair that we know of in the history of the church. And so it seemed gorgeously fitting this year to have two of our young adult leaders, Sam King and Wonder Dave, two brilliant, lovely human beings who so many of us know as their presence in worship as worship associates to serve as our co-annual giving chairs this year. So I wanna welcome Sam and Wonder Dave and ask you to put your hands together and welcome them too. Uh, it's, it's really lovely to see you all in person. I don't know. Um, yay, I'm super happy about it. Uh, and it's also lovely to be with all of you uh, who are at home joining us via live stream. Uh, I am so happy we've had this team who has been able to put this together so incredibly well for us. Um, and Sam and I are really excited to be leading the annual giving campaign this year uh, when we get to step into the next chapter of life. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself if you don't know already. Um, by trade, I am a stand-up comedian and a live event producer. Uh, and when the pandemic hit, I was unemployed. Um, that was, there was no job for me any longer. Uh, until a friend of mine who knew I had done live event production reached out and asked if I wanted to use the skills I had in some other way. Uh, and thus began my work in October of 2020, uh, running COVID testing sites around the Bay Area. Uh, I am more upset than anyone else that those skills are related, but here we are today. Um, I've had a front row seat uh, on what some of these last two years have asked of us. Uh, there were days we tested over 1,500 people. All of our staff were at risk, especially before we had vaccinations. Uh, it was a huge struggle, very stressful, and I saw so much bravery. Um, and it, it wasn't just me that had made that career shift. I had other event producers alongside me um, and so much community getting us all through an incredibly trying time. My work wasn't on the front line, but I had just started a job in political tech before the pandemic. 
And now we're getting folks to do friends and family outreach to vaccine hesitant folks in addition to get out the vote work. There's been a lot of struggle, a lot of hardship these past two years, but I've also seen some silver linings and possibility. And it's the same with the church, struggle and hardship and also silver linings and possibility. It is all of us with the staff who have seen it through to where we are, finding new ways to be together, expanding our live stream virtual ministry to reach out to over 730 subscribers. Uh, subscribers. Uh, side note, the church has never actually asked anyone to subscribe to their YouTube channel, uh, but as a performer, like and subscribe. What are you doing? It's amazing. Um, taking almost all of our Sunday offerings uh, throughout the pandemic uh, for outside groups who needed us, uh, host hosting our unhoused neighbors this last month for additional time because they needed us to. Uh, yeah, we're very excited. You can applaud for that. It's great. I'm thrilled. Because um, uh, that's what churches should do, my friends. Um, these are just some of the ways we have met the challenges of these times without letting go of a single staff member. And this last year, with rentals again reduced to a fraction of pre-pandemic times, we will make it through whole, but only because you all answered the call to uh, a sacrificial level of giving. Last year, you all pledged $841,000 to keep this community and this institution whole and safe. Thank you for that incredible stretch and act of selflessness and commitment. This year, we are hoping to get rentals up. Susie Bernahola has been doing amazing work with folks who want to use our space. And we don't expect, even with her magic, that we will be where we ideally would like to be. We also know that many of you cannot meet the level of giving that you made last year for a second year in a row. So what we are hoping is that each of you will do what you can. We think that those of you who gave generously last year and can continue to do so, should do so. And those who need to step down their giving uh, in order to take care of their own urgent needs should also do so. And those of you who are new among us, some of you out there that we may not even know, will be able to step into that commitment to give so that we have a chance of meeting our goal this year, which is $750,000. 750,000 will allow us not to lay off any staff, to keep our basic programming and building expenses paid to do required maintenance and finish a few improvements, and to increase slightly the funding that we have for our social justice work. It's tight, it's close, it's a responsible budget for maintaining our strengths. And we appreciate your efforts to help us meet it, but it will take all of us to do it. It's not a given. When I came to my first service at UUSF four years ago, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. Uh, I can say now that I've been delighted to find a community of people interested in both personal growth uh, and the well-being of the community at large. When the church adopted the eighth principle, I was delighted to see this community work towards change to create a more just and equitable world. The commitment of leaders and lay people within this organization to actually take steps to dismantle white supremacy, including our own unconscious biases, within the congregation and in the world at large has been delightful to see blossom. Though I was admittedly slow to become a member of the church officially, two years is a reasonable trial period. Uh, I am proud to be 
I, I am proud to be more involved in the church today. Uh, I will be increasing my own do donation this year uh, because it turns out managing COVID test sites pays better than being a comedian, who knew? <laughs> um, and I am in a better financial place now. Uh, so I am, I'm thrilled to be able to do this uh, because I know that the world does not simply become a better place on its own. It does so because people make it happen. And I believe with all my heart that UUSF is filled with people committed to making the world better. It's why I decided I belonged here. My involvement didn't just happen magically though. I stepped up to the plate because I was asked to join by people in this community, people like Sam and Vanessa and Joe. I was asked to join groups like the Young Adult Program, asked to protest, asked to be involved in just and charitable causes, asked to become a worship associate. And so today, it's my turn to do the asking. And I am asking all of you to help fund the good works of this church with your time, effort, and pocketbooks. Many of you have seen me as well here as a worship associate. You've already heard that uh, I care about our social justice work, the fact that we are one of relatively few sp spaces in the world that gets people to actually enact their values in the world, our values as Unitarian Universalists. Many of you have seen me in Sunday school spaces. You've already heard me talk about supporting the next generation, teaching them some of the things that I wish I knew at their age. But what's really important is the community. I'm lucky in a lot of ways, but this pandemic has still been rough. And when I felt lonely, when I felt at my wit's end, and when I really needed it, this community was here for me. And I want to be here uh, for UUSF, when UUSF needs me as well. So because I am fortunate enough to be in a stable position financially, and because this community means a lot to me, last year I increased my pledge, uh, and this year I'm increasing my pledge by an additional 50%. And I ask you to look at your values, what this place, this community means to you, what you want to put out into the world, what foundation you want to set for the next generation, and please give as generously as you can to get us through this time, all the way through. Sam and I will be outside at coffee hour. We have pledge forms. Uh, today, the first pre uh, 30 people who pledge uh, get succulents, those plants that thrive through hard times. Uh, and if you pledge by next Sunday, March 13th, you'll be included in a raffle prize uh, of a three-night stay at Marty Vanderlyn's Lake Tahoe vacation home. And for everyone who pledges, we ask you to take a leaf and write your name on it and put it up on our forest wall in the gallery. We also invite you to take a pen and write on the path that is on the bulletin board some of what this community has meant to you this last year. And there's cake. In this journey through the forest, this path that unfolds, unfurls, in twists and turns as we go, we've been surprised by beauty, warmed in sunlight and caught our breath in the clearings, weathered storms, been changed by what we've experienced, but it is the companionship of all of us along the way that's gotten us through. Thank you all for that. Thank you for making this place possible, this place where we can find that community possible. And cheers as we go on this journey through the forest forward together and see you all at coffee hour. <laughs> Thank you both. 
our offering, you can, those of you here, you can prepare it for when we leave. Um, those of you at home, you can use our online giving portal, just mark it for today's special offering. And the date, March 6th, will go to help Ukrainian refugees through the International Rescue Committee. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Mm -hmm.